The rest of you turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 7. We've been in the Sermon on the Mount for uh, several weeks now, and we're going to continue with that uh, theme today. We actually, in a roundabout way, we end the Sermon on the Mount. Russell, can you put that up on the screen? We end the Sermon on the Mount today, but there is a conclusion that's uh, several verses uh, in length that we'll continue to cover the next few days. Matthew chapter 7. If you would find that and stand one more time, all right? We are an exercising church here at Aaron Springs. And we're going to read Matthew 7, beginning in verse 7. The Bible says, And Jesus said, Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it shall be opened. Or what man is there among you when his son shall ask him for a loaf, will give him a stone? Or if he shall ask for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more shall your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask Him? Therefore, however you want people to treat you, so treat them. For this is the law and the prophets. Lord, bless your word for us today. Thank you for it, Father, and we love you. Teach us today about ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. In case you didn't catch it, today's message is an invitation to you. Well, I say to you, it's an invitation to a certain group of people. I'm hoping that you're in that group this morning. The invitation is that we have an opportunity to ask God for things. And we'll discuss that in deeper detail. Today is really a test about your view of God. Here's what A.W. Tozer said famous preacher back in the day. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Okay, What you think about God, what view you have of God, how you see God. You know, some people see God as a, a, a deity who is far off. He is unmoved by us here in this world. He is not concerned about man. He's really rigid. He's harsh. He's angry. If that's your view of God, then today's invitation that from Jesus to you doesn't mean anything to you. It doesn't amount. In fact, it will really frustrate you. You find that God is not interested. Another uh, viewpoint of God is that He's limited in His ability to reach out and help us. He's easygoing. He loves to hear from us, but He's really uh, not able to fulfill our desires or our wishes. He's sympathetic with us, but yet He's insufficient in accomplishing what we need Him to do. That's another view of God that people have in this world. If that's your view of God today, then Jesus' invitation for you to ask will only frustrate you. It will confuse you. You won't think that God cares. You'll be disillusioned and you'll be afraid ultimately to ask God anything because you see Him as insufficient. In our text that we just read, we see Jesus' words demand something from us. It demands a correct view of God. It demands a view of God that Jesus gave us. It demands a view of God that is real and genuine. All right? He talks to him, or 
talks to us about him being a, a father to us. All right? He's not far away. He's a father to us. He's close by to us. He is interested in us. He is genuine. He is true. It goes on to say there, our Father who is in heaven. Amen. This indicates to us that He's capable. He's powerful. He is good. When you have this kind of view of God, then Jesus' invitation will make sense to you that you can ask your Father for things. Jesus gave us an analogy He said, who of us, if his child asked for something to eat, would give him a rock? Or who of us, if his child asked for a piece of fish, would give him a snake or an eel or a serpent, your Bible might say. So Jesus is trying to show us how good the Father is and how precious we are to him as his children. God desires to give us things in our life pressed down, shaken together, and running over. That's God's desire to give that to you. He longs and loves to give His children good things. And so Jesus gives you an invitation this morning to ask, and the Father can do that. You must have a correct view, though, however. Not everybody can ask God that. Not everybody has the privilege of asking God. Let's take a closer look at the scripture in verse 7. Ask, and it shall be given to you. Verse 8, for everyone who asks receives. So God gives us uh, some information here that we're just going to dig in and, and we're going to decipher it, all right? That word ask is an imperative word in Greek. That means it's a continual asking. It's a continuous form of asking. It's a continuous action. The invitation is not just an invitation. It's really a command. The things that Jesus tells us to do, aren't they commands to us to ask the Father who is in heaven? Now, the command has a promised result. Ask and it'll be given. Seek, and you will find it. Knock, and it will be opened to you. So it's great to have that understood. What is implied in those verses? If you don't ask, you won't have. If you don't seek, you won't find. If you don't knock, the door won't be opened to you. So who are those who get to ask this question? Who are those who get to ask? We went back. As I said, this is kind of the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount. The rest of it, kind of an ending, the rest of it is really conclusion. And we'll cover that. But if we went back to the very beginning in chapter 5 of the Sermon on the Mount, we would read in verse 1 that Jesus went up on the mountain and the multitudes were there and His disciples came to Him. And he sat down and began to teach them. Who's he teaching? Not the multitudes. He's teaching his disciples. He's expressing to them who believe. He's expressing to the ones who understand they're poor in spirit. He's expressing to the ones who mourn over their sin. He's expressing to the people who are following him and desiring to be obedient to him and his way and his teaching. Here's what he's expressing the Sermon on the Mount. He describes what his people will be like. 
and he hopes that they understand that. He ends the text with this command for us to ask God. To ask God. It's not to anyone. Not anybody can ask God for things and expect to be given those. God's children can ask for things and expect to be given those. As we read in the scripture this morning on the screen, that we ask according to His will, and we can expect to get that. Amen? Why? Because He's good. He's loving. He's a caring Father. We can expect all of that to come from a God who cares for us and loves us. You can't get it if you're not in His family. We got people today who believe that all men and women are God's children. No. No, no, no. You are not God's child until you are born into His family. Amen? First, I'm not First John. John chapter 1, verse 12 says this, But as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become the children of God. You have to receive Christ in order to become a child of God. And you can't ask God for anything if you're not His child. You have to be His child in order to expect to receive from Him the things you ask which are in accordance with His will. Jesus made a command with a promise. Ask and it will be given to you. Ask and it will be given to you. The problem is you and I stop asking. We forget about it after a week or two. We think that's enough asking. We should have already received it. Amen? Remember, in my testimony, I talk about going to a neighborhood Bible study the week after I got saved. I found out about it at the store, a little flyer on the window, neighborhood Bible study, come. I said, hey, I'll go to that. I'm a new Christian. I'll go see that. I walked in, and there was in a trailer house there in our neighborhood, and there was a Several older people there, and I told them who I was, and two of those women started bawling. I said, what? What? You're crying because I told you my name? They said, no, we're crying because we've been praying for you for two years. And you walk into our Bible study. Man, they kept asking. They kept asking. They didn't quit. They didn't give up. That's what the problem today is that you and I have a tendency to stop. God is not obligated to give people who are not His children the answer that they're looking for. And you might say, well, that's not fair, Brother Clay. That's unjust of God to do that. No, listen to me. God is not prohibiting anyone to come to Him through Jesus Christ. God doesn't put up a roadblock to stop anybody from becoming his child. He certainly is not obligated to give the world its desire. He is obligated to give his children their desire. God does not prevent anyone from coming to Christ. You think it's unfair that God wouldn't answer a lost man's prayer? No. What's not fair is that that lost man has rejected God. And then he comes to him in desperation looking for hope. God says, I'll answer your prayers when you become my child. Amen? Do you see that? God doesn't prevent people from coming to Christ. He opens the door. So what does that person who is not a Christian need to do? Ask. Ask. 
Maybe all of you here are Christians or you believe you are a Christian. Maybe there's one, two, or more that aren't sure. Here's how you ask. You say, dear God, I'm a sinner. And I'm separated from you and I realize that. And I ask you today to forgive me of my sin. I ask you today to come into my life and change me. I ask you today to save my soul from hell. I ask you today to transform me into your child. I ask you today to cause me to be reborn. I ask you today because I trust in you and I believe in you. And I understand that that's what I need to do is to ask you to save me and forgive me. In Jesus' name, amen. It's that simple to become a child of God. That simple. Don't even have to use those words. Just the context of that prayer or that phrasing. That you understand you're separated from God. That you're a sinner lost and undone without Him. And you need to be saved. And you ask God to save you. The Bible says, ask and you will receive. Amen? And so that's how you become a believer. That's how you become a child of God. And then you have the opportunity and the privilege to go before Him and to ask Him things in your life, the things that you need, the things that you desire according to the will of God. Here's what it says in 1 John 3. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do the things that are pleasing in His sight. And this is His commandment that we believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ. What is that first sentence? And whatever we ask, we receive from Him. Why? Because we keep His commandments. Amen. You see how precious that is? And we can understand that more and more. So, how do I ask God? I have to have a way of asking. Remember, I told you that it was a form of, of saying a continuous action of asking. So, I need to ask God with persistence. Verse 8. For everyone who asks receives. Alright? Now... If we were to boil all this down into the original language, it would sound something like this. The one who is always asking is always receiving. The one who is always seeking is always finding. The one who is always knocking is always having the door opened to him. You see that? That's how we should really read that if we're to understand it. We say, ask, seek, and knock. And we ask, seek, and knock for a day or two or a week, like I said, and then we quit and we give up. We lose our persistence. Now, why would God want us to do that? Uh, for some reason, I'm grateful to those two ladies. I couldn't even tell you their name today. But I'm grateful that they prayed for me and Gail for two years. I'm grateful for that. It took two years of their prayer life for God to knock a hole upside my head to get my attention. I'm grateful for those ladies. I don't want to be somebody who prays for my family, my immediate family. Let's say that. My children, my grandchildren, I pray. And then over a month later, I'm, I'm not mentioning them again in my prayers. But I haven't got my prayer answered yet. Could it be because I gave up on it? 
Well, I, I'm not saying that things depend like that upon your prayer life or mine. But what I am saying is Jesus said, keep asking. Keep praying. Keep asking and it will be given to you. Amen? Think about it, church. Continue to ask. It's a command, but it has results. And so you and I have the indication here that we're not to give up. Jesus talked about this in a couple of other scriptures. He talked about it in Luke uh, when he said that a man had visitors come to his house one night late, and he didn't have anything to feed them. So he got up and he went next door. Boom, 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 boom. Boom, 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 boom. The neighbor inside says, who is it? It's your neighbor. What do you want? I need some bread. I've got people showed up at my house. I don't have enough bread to feed them. He said, I'm already in bed. My kids are in bed. I'm not going to get up and give you some bread. Go away. Boom, 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 boom. I'm not going away. Boom, 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 boom. The Bible says, and Jesus said, he got up. Not because it was his next door neighbor, not because they were fishing buddies, but because he wouldn't stop banging on the door. And he got up and gave him everything he wanted. The man was persistent. Amen. Let me read you another story Jesus said in Luke 18. Now he was telling them a parable to show that at all times we are to pray and not lose heart saying, there was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. And there was a widow in that city, and she kept coming to him, the judge, saying, give me legal protection from my opponent. And for a while he was unwilling. But afterward he said to himself, even though I do not fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection, lest, my, lest by continually coming she wears me out. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now shall not God bring about justice for his elect? who cry to him day and night, and will he delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them speedily. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Jesus said, when I come back, am I going to find a praying people? Am I going to find you asking? Am I going to find you praying? Am I going to find you desiring for the salvation of people, for the feeding of people, for the helping of people? Am I going to find faith on this earth when I come back? Am I going to hear prayers being lifted up continuously for things according to my will? Or am I just going to find a quiet Christian crowd who have forgotten to ask me for things? We have to ask God and we have to be persistent in it. I hope that it is changing your outlook on prayer a little bit tonight or today. The main reason for our defeat is that we all give up. We think that it should be easy. If I ask him once, he's heard me and, and that should take care of it. But that doesn't seem to be the case. I've been taught as a, as a boy growing up that anything worth having was worth working for. Amen? 
Anything I put my hands to was something that I considered to be precious, something that I enjoyed. Instead of having it given to me, I work for it. It becomes valuable to me, and I hang on to it. So working for results and praying for results is certainly along the same line. Perhaps you have desired to serve the Lord and you've called Him and and talked and and prayed and and asked where you're supposed to serve, but you haven't gotten an answer. And so you kind of just let it go and it slips away from you and you just find yourself in the routine Christian life no longer having that desire to serve because God didn't answer you. You know what happened? Roadblocks were put up by the devil. The devil doesn't want you serving, so he's going to put up anything in your front of you to distract you. God says, pray, 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 and ask, and you will overcome that. Maybe you want a deeper walk with the Lord, but there's been roadblocks in your life, and you haven't been able to break away from work or or whatever it is to go to church and to join a Bible study or to be a part of something at this church. Like Bart said earlier, he's amazed about how much behind-the-scenes activity there is at a church. And there is, but there's room for you, my friend. There's room for more. And so maybe you've quit and you've given up because you stopped asking, because you stopped praying. God says He will help you to overcome that. How about the loved ones in your family that aren't saved? How about the healing that you need in a spouse or a child or a neighbor? You've been praying for healing, but they're still suffering with the disease or the complications. The Bible says today, keep asking, keep asking, keep asking, keep praying. Be persistent. Maybe you've had unanswered prayer. Maybe you've prayed for a long time and it just hasn't come to be. And so you've given up on that prayer. I'll say it again. I'm so glad those two ladies prayed for me for two years. Wow, I I don't think I've prayed for anybody for two years. Sadly to tell you that. Oh, I pray a lot, and I may have hit and missed on them for two years or more. But I haven't been consistent in that. I hope the Lord would help me to overcome my lack of trust my lack of His capabilities, my lack of His purpose in our lives to continue to pray for one another. You know, he is, He's calling you today to trust in Him. Maybe that's why He wants you to keep asking. You really don't have the trust that He wants you to have. You believe He's there, you believe He exists, you believe He's capable, but He hasn't done what you've wanted, and so you're not really trusting Him at the moment. So the more that you pray about it, the more that He'll be able to reveal Himself to you, and you'll begin to trust Him more and more before He accomplishes what you are asking. I'm not sure of the results that you're looking for, but I can tell you this. He tells us today to ask and it will be given to you. So ask with persistence. The next thing I want you to do is to ask with confidence. Now God says in that, would a father give his son a rock instead of a loaf? What does he mean? Well, we think of a loaf of bread, you know, sliced up in a bag, right? Well, in this day and time, a loaf of bread looked like a rock, okay? Kind of round, kind of flat, and it looked like a rock. Jesus uses that picture in our mind. 
It could be either one, a bread or a rock, but you see. Or, he says, would he ask for a fish, would he give him a snake? Now, what does that mean? Well, in the Sea of Galilee, there were these eels. And so our translators may have used the word snake or serpent instead of the eel that Jesus might have been referring to coming from the Sea of Galilee. He wants a fish. Would his father give him an eel or a snake or a serpent? You see, Jesus uses that picture for the day and time where he's teaching. Today we can understand that. And certainly the answer would be no. And then Jesus says, well, if if you are an evil man, well, I'm not evil compared to God you are. Okay? Compared to God, you're evil. Compared to God, we are all evil. Jesus says, if you being evil know how to give good things to your child, how much more would your heavenly Father who is good give to those who ask? Notice there he doesn't say you get what you want. He says the Father gives what is good for you. Praise God that he's never given me everything I wanted Think how worthless we would be if God gave us everything we wanted. Amen? He doesn't give us what we want. He gives us what we need. And He gives us what is good. God has never given you anything that was bad for you. You said, oh, you don't know that person I was married to. Let me tell you something. That wasn't on Him. That wasn't on him. So God never gives you anything that's bad for you. He only gives you what is good for you. And he hopes that you understand that. And he hopes that you can see that. So I can ask him with confidence that he's going to give me what I need and what is proper for me to have. It's not always what I want, but it's what is good for me. So trust now is involved in that confidence. I can trust Him that He's going to give me the things that are good. Why? Because of His love, because of His character, because of His heart. He is a good Heavenly Father. He gives to us what we should have and what we should need. Now He transforms everything in verse 12. Not transforming, but He he kind of changes gears. And He says, therefore... A lot of scholars want to tie, therefore, to just this asking, seeking, and knocking, while other scholars want to say, therefore, wraps up the entire Sermon on the Mount. Okay? You pick. I'm not going to decide for you which one it is, whether he's saying, therefore, because of asking, seeking, and knocking, or is he saying, therefore, because of all the descriptions of his children beginning back in chapter 5. But here's what I will say about this. If God is a heavenly father in the asking, seeking, and knocking category, and he makes a promise to us that we will find, we will uh, have it open to us, and we will be given, then he is giving and allowing us to be fulfilled. Our desires are being fulfilled as Christian people. We're walking closer to Him. We're gaining confidence as a Christian. Our lives are being changed before our very eyes and the people around us. And if that's the case, then He says, Therefore, you do what I'm doing to you. 
Whatever somebody needs, you fulfill it. Whatever somebody is after, you give it. Whenever somebody's hurting, you fill their need. You love them. You care for them. You forgive them. You see the picture there? Ask, seek, and knock. Therefore, Jesus says, as I have done to you, you do it to another. It's not a, it's not a response. We, we hear the golden rule always uh, messed up. Do unto others before they do unto you. That's not, that, that's not what that golden rule says, is it? It says, as you would have somebody treat you, you treat others. Wow, that gets deeper now, doesn't it? That's a, that's a positive thing. As you would want to be treated, you treat others. God is saying, I've had your back all this time while you've been asking, seeking, and knocking. Now I want you to have their back, Christian, child of mine representative of my kingdom here's how i show the world who i am through you through you through you all the things that we do all the things we say are now revolved around this christian life that we have stepped into and now we have a responsibility an obligation a privilege and a right to bring forth the God of the universe into this world through our life as he lives it in us and we share that with other people. Christianity is a two-way street. It's not all about us giving. It's all about uh, receiving. It's about us giving and receiving. You want God to treat you in a certain way? Then God says, I have. I've been good to you. I've done good for you. I've given you good things. Now he says, in turn, I want you to treat others in the same way. Jesus taught us in the Sermon on the Mount what we should know and what we should believe and what we should do. The Pharisees, they knew. They had the Scripture. They knew about God. They had a belief in this God. They just did not have the doing of this God. You see that? You can know all about the Bible and about God. You can believe and believe and believe, but none of it matters until you do it, right? Until you perform it, until you show it, until you behave as he's teaching you to behave. It's not about knowing. It's not about believing. It's about doing. That is the crux of asking, seeking, and knocking. The Pharisees had it wrong by just one of three categories. They could not do what they were asked. You know, if you look at that beautiful golden rule, look at it with me in verse 12. Therefore, however you want to be However, you want people to treat you, so treat them. Now, we are all scholars of the law when we are the them in that golden rule. However you want to be treated, treat them the same way. You and I are scholars of the law when people mistreat us. Or when we expect to be treated in a certain way, we know all the ins and outs, the loopholes. We know everything that should be done for us. Don't we? 
We're all about us and how we are treated. But we are very poor scholars when we read in that golden rule that we are the we. How you want to be treated, so treat them. I should say we, you. When we are the you in that, now we're not very wise about the law. We're not very wise about treating others respectfully, about treating others with prominence, about treating others with grace. We're good about wanting it. We're just bad about giving it. Jesus said, ask, seek, and knock. And there's a promise. I'll give it to you. You'll find it, and the door will be opened. And oh, by the way, how you want to be treated, you treat everybody else just like that. That is the Sermon on the Mount in a nutshell. How are we treating each other? God tells us to ask. We had in our verse today, it will be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Seek, and you'll find that it'll be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Knock, and you will find that it will be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. God's ready to give His children the best. One of my favorite texts is found in Isaiah chapter 1. And I use this sometimes, I should say many times when I witness to people. And it says there in Isaiah chapter 1, Come, let's sit down and reason together, God and you. If you will obey me, God says, I will cause you to eat of the best of the land. Woo, what a promise. Wouldn't that be awesome if we all realized that? Come, let's reason together with God. And he says, if I will obey him, I will eat the best that there is. Oh, I'm not talking about steak, okay? I'm not talking about apple pie. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about life and living it and experiencing it. Abundantly, God so gives. If I asked you a question this morning and you were honest with yourself and with the rest of the church, and I don't want you to raise your hand, but I want you to answer this question. Are you really living the abundant life? I bet not even half could say yes. I bet not even a quarter could say, man, I am living the abundant. Oh, I'm living the dream in Lindsay, America. That's not what I asked you. Are you living the abundant life that God promised to his children? Why? Why aren't you living that life? I know why. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek it, and you'll find it. Knock, and I'll open the door for you. Amen? Let's do that today. Father, we ask you to bless this moment. As many people look for answers in their life, Lord, and look for things that sometimes cannot be found in this world. It's only through Christ, Lord, that you reveal to us life. It's only through him that those doors are opened and that we can seek and that we can ask. And I pray today that people who are not his child 
would have responded to that prayer we said earlier. And they would receive Jesus Christ as their Lord. Step into your family and begin to experience the great God of heaven who is longing to give, longing to open, longing for them. I pray, Father, that you bless these moments now. And I ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.